0: WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simp versions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast
1: at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
0: You may be wondering, why am I not growing? Why, why am I not really maturing spiritually? This is where it begins. This is why you're not growing spiritually. So the Jewish people were changed by the word of God because they approached the Bible in a threefold manner. They listened to it, they heard it, they understood it, they applied it. So this morning, we're going to look at how to listen to God's word, how to hear God speak. And that's the first approach to Bible study. You do that, you're going to be on the right path.
1: Many people have told me that they wish they could hear God speaking to them. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I most often tell them that, well, they can hear Him speak. All they have to do is read their Bible out loud. The Bible is God's Word. It's His love letter to us. You could say it's our user manual, so to speak, written by our Maker so that we can get the most out of the life that He's given us. But it's not magical, is it? We won't grow spiritually simply by reading it randomly. We have to read it purposefully. And there are certain disciplines that help us get the most from our reading time. It's always best to start with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to help our understanding, but then there are other practical things we can do to help make our Bible reading a wonderful experience. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve is beginning a new series of lessons from the book of Nehemiah. It's about the characteristics of a biblical revival. Revival could be described as a reawakening of our faith, which is displayed by repentance and more godly living. And Romans 10.17 says faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's open our Bibles now to Nehemiah chapter 8 and see how the Bible can spark a revival. Here's Pastor
0: Steve. I invite you to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And follow with me, will you, as I read verses 1 through 12. Now, we're not going to cover this all this morning, but uh, I want you to see the context. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for that purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah. Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbidana, Zechariah, and Mishalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazebed, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions and to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Many years ago in the 12th century, There lived a famous rabbi by the name of Maimonides. He's very well known. In fact, in New York City, there's a Maimonides hospital and a number of other institutions named after Rabbi Maimonides. However, Maimonides was not only a rabbi, he was also a physician, a doctor. And uh, as a physician, he prescribed some very unusual remedies for a variety of ailments. So listen, in case you have this, you might consider this. Actually, don't consider this. For example, for baldness, gentlemen, you want to listen, for baldness, what you do is you take mouse heads, burn to ashes, and knead it with honey. Now, I'm not sure if you put that on your head or you drink it. I, I, I don't know, but that's what he said to do. As a protection against epilepsy, he prescribed you take camel brain, dried and prepared with vinegar. Now, if camel brain is not available, which you could well understand, then uh, rabbit brains would be certainly acceptable, he said. For a toothache, here's something interesting. He said take deer horn, pulverize it, and mix it with wine. Now, if you suffer from worm eggs in your stomach, just in case anybody here suffers from that, then take a cattle hoof, pulverize it, burn it, and drink the concoction with honey. Now, obviously, these remedies for these ailments are more superstitious than medical. They're not going to help you. They're not going to help you with your physical problems. In fact, they could uh, increase some of your physical problems, actually, if you do this. Uh, But they're really superstitious, superstitious. Now, I think in the same way, there are a lot of people who approach the Bible in a very superstitious manner, very magical, very mystical manner, thinking that the Bible is going to help them with their spiritual life, but they approach the Bible in the wrong way, and it can do more harm than good. Let me give you some, some examples. For example, there are those who believe that if they just have their devotions on a daily basis, then they're going to have a good day. In other words, if I miss my devotions today, my day is going to be lousy. God's not going to bless me because I miss my devotions. Uh, that's very superstitious. The Bible doesn't teach that. God wants us to have a healthy devotional life, but that's very superstitious. And people, uh, there are many Christians like that. If I miss today, then uh, everything's going to go wrong. Well, who said that? That's superstitious. That's superstitious. Also, another, uh, another poor approach to the Bible is that magical approach. The magical approach goes something like this, that if I just read any portion of the Bible, I don't even need to understand it. Just read it, it's somehow going to rub off on me, and I'm going to be spiritual. If I just read it, I may not, I may not even uh, have a, an inkling as to the correct interpretation, but somehow uh, I'm, I'm going to get something from God. God's going to help me to grow because I just read His word. Uh, that's a rather magical approach, kind of, kind of like abracadabra. I just read and I come out spiritual. Another uh, approach is um, the mystical approach. Uh, I spend time reading the Bible and I, I expect God to zap me. I have to feel His presence. I have to have some kind of emotional experience, or I feel like I have not met with God today. I have to get something from this, something that's uh, fresh, something that, that God has zapped me with. Uh, that's a very mystical, subjective approach to the Bible. Uh, now, really, all of these approaches are just as superstitious, just as kind of goofy as Maimonides' approach to physical ailments because they, they don't uh, contribute any lasting uh, effect, any lasting benefits to your spiritual life. None of that stuff's going to really help you. Which brings us to Nehemiah 8. I'm sure you were wondering, what has that got to do with Nehemiah 8? It really does, because in Nehemiah 8, we have a record of the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day gathering to listen to the word of God uh, being taught by Ezra the priest. They had Remember, Nehemiah. Context now, Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the city. But that's done. That was finished in chapter 6. Now his job turns to rebuilding the people into a community that honored the Lord. The new Jewish community that honored the Lord. And uh, the rebuilding process always begins with the word of God. Always begins with listening to the word, understanding the word, and implementing change based on the word. That's where it begins with us too. That's where it began with uh, the Jewish people in Nehemiah's day. They heard the word of God. Then they understood the word of God. Then they applied the word of God. It's the same thing for us. We must hear the word, understand the word, apply the word. Unless you approach the Bible properly, it's not going to help you to grow spiritually. Now, you may accumulate information. But unless you have that kind of threefold approach of listening to the word, understanding it, and responding to it, applying it, implementing it, whatever you want to call it, obeying it, uh, unless you do that, you're not going to grow spiritually. And that's why a lot of Christians flounder in their spiritual life. That's why they're going nowhere. Uh, We don't want to be mystical about the word. We don't want to be superstitious about the word. And we certainly don't want to be magical about the word. So Nehemiah 8 tells us how to approach the Bible properly. Uh, I guarantee you, if you follow The Jewish people's approach, at least in in this setting, their approach to Bible study, you're going to see lasting changes in your spiritual lives. You may be wondering, why am I not growing? Why, Why am I not really maturing spiritually? This is where it begins. This is why you're not growing spiritually. So the Jewish people were changed by the word of God because they approached the Bible in a threefold manner. They listened to it. They heard it. They understood it. They applied it. So this morning, we're going to look at how to listen to God's word, how to hear God speak. And that's the first approach to Bible study. You do that, you're going to be on the right path. Now, you've got to take it two steps further. You've got to go beyond that to understanding it and applying it. But it begins by listening and hearing the word of God. So let's begin by looking at verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Now, shortly after the wall around Jerusalem was completed, the people gathered in Jerusalem to hear God's word. Now you may wonder, well, weren't they in Jerusalem already? No, actually... Uh, They came from the surrounding countryside. Notice how the end of chapter 7 ends. And when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in their cities, which means they came for that building project, 52 days, the people came, um, they stayed in the cities, then when it was completed, they went home. Most of the people did not live in Jerusalem. They lived in the surrounding villages, the surrounding countryside. They went home, but now Nehemiah is telling us that they returned. They went home for a while, and they returned. They gathered in Jerusalem once again for this special occasion. And they stood in front of a gate known as the Water Gate in order to hear the Bible taught by Ezra. This would have been on the eastern wall of the city. Uh, some months back, we made a copy of, of the wall and uh, what, it, what it looked like. And uh, hopefully you've kept that in your Bibles and you can look at it. The Watergate was on the eastern wall of the city. And uh, the Bible says that, that what was read to them by Ezra was the book of the law of Moses. Now, what book do they, do they read? What does he mean? Uh, Well, the book of the law of Moses is known as the Pentateuch. The first five books of your Bible in the Old Testament, known as the Pentateuch because it's five books, pent meaning five. Uh, Also, it's called the Torah, the law of Moses. This is the foundation of Judaism. This is the foundation of the Bible. Now, Ezra... Uh, We read, he's the man who the people said, bring the book and read it to us. Now, Ezra is new to the book of Nehemiah, but he he wasn't new to the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day. They knew him. So let me introduce Ezra to to you. Who was Ezra? He was a Jewish priest who had come to Jerusalem about 14 years before uh, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem. But he was more than a priest. He was not just a priest. He was a very unique man. Ezra was really uh, kind of the forerunner to the rabbis even today and the rabbis in Christ's day. He was a scribe, which means he was a teacher of the law. And his great passion was to bring the people back to God's ways. If you turn back one book in your Bible to, to Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, we read about him. Uh, this book is named after him. And usually if you get a commentary on Nehemiah, Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are together. They're very close. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, it said, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. That's a great verse. That's a great verse for everyone who handles the word. His passion was to study it, to practice it, to teach it. That's the pattern. Study it, Obey it yourself, teach others. That sums up the heart and the work of Ezra, the priest, as well as the scribe. Now, he has his greatest opportunity to teach the Bible to the people. In verse 1, it says they asked him to bring the law to them. And in verse 2, it says that he did what they requested. Notice verse 2. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh day month now remember they didn't have printing presses the people didn't have a bible in their hands so they had a scroll and they they uh, asked Ezra to get it it was brought to him to read it to them and that's that's where we are now this must have been a great encouragement to Ezra because if you as you read the book of of Ezra and you read some of the other prophets who lived at that time you realize that the spiritual condition of the Jewish people was deplorable deplorable. They were not interested in the word of God. They were interested more in their own houses than uh, building the temple. They were interested in other things. And for 14 years prior to this, Ezra has ministered and taught and ministered and nobody's listening. But now there's a breakthrough. All the people gather and they say, Ezra, read read the word to us we're going to listen to the word and i say to you that's that ought to be a great encouragement to those of us who minister the word of god to people any of us who minister in any way to people i say that ezra is a great example of perseverance persevere pray because you don't know when there's going to be a breakthrough this is called a breakthrough this is a breakthrough and a tremendous opportunity so if you're discouraged about your ministry Nobody seems to be listening. Nobody seems to care. Persevere, pray, and uh, wait for God to uh, break in with a tremendous breakthrough. Now, as Ezra faced the crowd, verse 2 says, all the men and women and children who were old enough to understand were before him. We read in verses 3 and 4. And he read from it, that is the law, before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women those who could understand and all the people were attentive to the book of the law and ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they had made for that purpose and beside him stood and i'm not even going to attempt to read all the names again but you had uh, some prominent men on his left and some prominent men on his right probably the levites now uh, The scene is this. As Ezra stood, it's really not uh, a podium or a pulpit. It ought to be be translated a wooden platform. It was a tower. Literally in the Hebrew, it's a tower. He was not on a podium. He was not on a pulpit. He was on a wooden platform. And uh, it was large enough for not only himself, but for 13 prominent men on his right and left side. And as the people stood before him, He began to read the Torah to them. Uh, Some some scholars think maybe he just read the book of Deuteronomy, which is possible. We don't know. But he read from the law to them. And I want want you to notice something. What verse 3 says, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate. Notice how long he read. From early morning until what? Midday. From early morning until midday. Did did you get that? I mean, did you get that? He read from the law From daybreak, literally it's from the light. In the Hebrew, it's from the light. From the crack of dawn until uh, about noon. That's five or six hours. And the amazing thing is at the end of verse 3 we read, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And later we read in verse 5 that they stood while he did this. Now maybe they had breaks, I don't know. Maybe he said, look, take take a little rest. But we're not told that. So let's assume that they stood for five to six hours. Hours listening to the word of God. And the seventh month would have been about September, so it's not exactly winter time. Five or six hours listening to the word of of God. They listened to him for half a day. I think we have to stop here and think about that. Think about this because how come, I, I pose this question to you, how come the children of Israel could listen and be attentive to the Word of God read for five to six hours while standing, no less, and it's a chore for the average American Christian to sit for a half hour to 45 minutes to listen to a sermon. Why why is that? Listen, we find it hard. We find people complaining if they have to stand for prayer in a hymn. How dare we move on to two hymns? We've been standing for about three minutes. We tend to get bored with a sermon after a few minutes. In fact, instead of wanting more Bible teaching in our churches, the the trend today is to see how little we can get of Bible teaching. Uh, Many churches have uh, changed from it used to be two services on Sunday to no longer having a Sunday evening service. That is the trend, and that is the trend in Bible-believing churches. I'm not talking about liberal churches. So the trend is, let's get little as little uh, Bible pulpit teaching as we possibly could. Let's, let's have some other things there. So, how are the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day different from us? I mean, we want to learn from this. That's a rebuke to us, but also we want to be corrected and instructed in righteousness. What made them attentive to the Bible attentive to the Bible to listen to it for six hours, and we have a problem with it for six minutes. I mean, we want to learn from this. Are there reasons in the text? Does God give us some reasons, and does sanctified common sense give us some reasons about this? In other words, how can we be better listeners of the Word of God? That's what we really want to focus on. How can you and I listen to the Word of God and improve our capacity to listen? Not too long ago, a young boy from our school, and I may have told you this, a young boy said to me, I was doing a question and answer time at Lakeside Christian School in their chapel, and a young lad said, uh, said, Pastor, how do you know if the people are listening to you? And I said, I don't have a clue. I don't know if they're listening to me. They look like they're listening to me, but for all I know, they might be thinking about something else. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, how do we help ourselves to be better listeners, not of me, but of the Word of God? Well, uh, I, I think you'd be wise to take some notes on this. Number one, there are some specific reasons why the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day uh, could listen to the word of God. I mean, obviously you can go into our culture of the day and television and all that. We saw some things, even, um, even yesterday, some of us, uh, the group who's doing evangelistic mimes, went, uh, went down to the beach and put on a mime and we thought it'd be like Italy. You know, they just gather around and listen, listen. We're too busy. We're too busy. Hardly anyone gathered for more than maybe a minute, and then they moved on. You know why? They're busy going nowhere. Americans are absolutely busy going nowhere. They're really in a hurry to get nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been to the pier. Listen, there's nowhere to go on that pier. You just walk. It's not like they're going somewhere. What do you do at the beach if you're on the pier? You just walk. And then when you get to the end, you just walk back. But they're too busy. To do this. And uh, so a lot of it goes into our culture. But I think there's some specific things we can look at in the text here. Number one, these people had a tremendous reverence and a respect for the word of God. I want you to notice verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, notice this, all the people stood up. When Ezra opened up the law, when he took that scroll and he opened it, the people automatically stood up. We don't, we don't even read that, that he said, stand. They just stood up in honor of the word of God. Why? Because they knew that the words that they were about to hear were not Ezra's words, but they were God's words to Israel. They were the words of God. You know, one reason I think while we find it so difficult to sit through a sermon and be attentive is that we have forgotten What we do in church. We have really forgotten or have not been taught what a sermon is. A sermon is an explanation of the Word of God. It's not someone's opinion. It is an explanation of God's holy word. And I think sometimes we have taken that for granted. Oh, it's it's a sermon, it's a message. He's speaking on the Bible. Now I'm really not trying to speak on the Bible, I'm trying to explain the Bible. There's a difference about a difference between speaking about the Bible and letting the Bible speak for itself. I don't know
1: about you, but I always like it better when a preacher lets the Bible speak for itself. I think we'd have fewer situations like the one I heard Adrian Rogers describe, where a man fell asleep in church, and the pastor called to an usher to go over and wake him up. the usher responded, You put him to sleep, pastor, maybe you should wake him up. You know, if we remember that this is God's word we're hearing, I don't see how we could doze off, unless we're really just sleep deprived. But I have heard pastors who tend to be the audio version of a strong sleeping pill. I'll bet you have, too. And whether we're the preacher or the hearer, though, let's not lose our excitement and amazement that God actually wrote to us. Wow. Well, I'd better start wrapping things up before I get too carried away. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're nearby and looking for a place to worship, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Call 727-441-1714 for more information or browse online to lakesidechapel.com. Verse by verse can't happen without the generous gifts of our listeners. So, we would all like to say thanks for helping keep us on the air. To become a part of our support team, you can call Lakeside at the number I just gave, 727 727- 441-1714. Or you can go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and use the convenient giving page that you'll find there. And while I'm at it, let me remind you of our message archive page, where we offer hundreds of previous broadcasts.